Hello and welcome again to the Little Canyon Collective podcast. We've not technically done an episode of this since when we first started in December 2020, when we literally just had Anthony and Jack. Um, it's now, what is it? It's bloody, it's, it's start of July? Yes, it's the 1st of July. It's the 1st of July, so we've been knocking on now for about a year and a half. Lots changed with the collective and a lot for the good. The main good being that uh, we now have you, Mr. William, yes, Mr. William Turson. Uh, William is a filmmaker, animator, comedian, um, u- unicyclist. Is that a correct yeah, term? Yeah, unicyclist. Yeah. He makes me feel quite bad about my set of skills, really, because I've got like a short list of, of, of like idiot and and guitarist whereas your your list kind of continues off into into completely different regions he's been teaching me into catastrophe yeah into lots of bruises when he's falling halfway down hill in sheffield you've been teaching me how to juggle Uh, yeah you've learned really fast keep talking yeah how do you think my progress has gone compared to other people because you said you've taught a few people haven't you about 20 people overall in my time how to juggle and um some people learn like really fast and you think oh you, you must have done some like before and then some people just like they never progress from like being able to throw one ball from one hand to the other i think it's always difficult it's like learning an instrument is the problem is particularly for someone like myself at this age i don't have to learn a lot of stuff nowadays so when i have to learn something it takes so much time to commit to it mm. um you saw that excitement that I had, didn't you? Where I was like, yeah. oh, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stop trying. Another hour or so of like just keep juggling and being able to assess where you're going wrong and not develop muscle memory for like the wrong kind of throw. Mm-hmm. In about an hour, I think you'll. you'll I thought that was interesting. That you kept saying about that muscle memory thing because you, because like you say, I, if a continuous ways of doing it wrong, I, I then have that locked into my brain. Yeah. So you need to really understand what is going wrong and not keep doing that so it's not it doesn't like develop and that's how you juggle you need to kind of keep keep the pattern really solid early on and then start adding throws you're a good teacher if you don't mind saying yeah you're a good teacher man i I think i felt like you enjoyed teaching i do i've i used to teach a lot of things mostly rubik's cube solving i oh yeah i forgot you did a lot more people i've solved rubik's cube than i have to juggle i taught like about nearly 30 people after this old Rubik's Cube and including once a five-year-old who only spoke French that was an wow. adventure he, although he didn't succeed he yeah. didn't so it, it was a communication problem and he couldn't sit still for very long right okay so so when did you first start kind of like you like we said we kind of joked about the fact you've got multiple skills mm. you know you've naturally got quite a creative mind obviously diagnosed with autism which is in line with that but not really the headline that we want to kind of take away from it when did you first start getting into sort of these different skills and what was the first one uh i maybe unicycling possibly because i did that uh sort of learning that when i was 11 okay but i'd kind of i've always just enjoyed kind of doing or more less heard of hobbies mm. so i just i love kind of and en- doing sort of hobbies that are like kind of entertaining to watch for others so it's like performance based a lot of it uh even like solving rubik's cubes fast that is kind of falls under performance because yeah, people yeah. like to see that and i thought i love learning unusual skills and i also love teaching unusual skills mm. 
So spreading the message, aren't yeah. you? Spreading it to like an something that's not a lot of people really know about, yeah. or or that can have lessons on. You're spreading that, you know. Yeah, there's like I like to kind of show people that there's so much you can do, uh, kind of to entertain yourself. That's not sat on social media or the kind of the common things that everyone like there's like there's so many unheard of skills with massive communities behind like mm. there's people don't realize there's a huge cuban community of like when you go to a competition there's hundreds of people that go there that are like really really fast like people could see me doing it in about 15 seconds on average to solve a cube and think well that's amazing and then you go to a competition i'm actually in like the slower half yeah, when you, I remember when you told me that, and I was like, yeah. "This is this is mad," you know. Like, people get so into it, and, like dedicated to think like the, these unusual things, because it's like a different feeling of kind of accomplishment when it's a really weird, unheard of skill. Well, I think do you reckon that you take more ownership of it because it's more yours than when sharing it with everyone else. Do you know what I mean? The only thing I can relate is like I grew up and I played football. The yeah. only problem with playing football. Everybody plays football. Yeah. You know, there's no real ownership of that. Whereas, you know, if you're you're the only person that likes Cuban, mm. that's yours. You own that. But through that, you can meet a lot of other people that do it as well. Mm. You, you end up just meeting people that... Because once someone figures it like, out, you do it, you're like, whoa. And you, you don't realise, like, people, like, hidden skills. Even people that you know, when you've learned something, you kind of... You might know someone that can do it, but they've forgotten they've done it because they've not done it in years. And mm. then, like, it kind of, or people can do it to a, a certain level and didn't realise you could really, really take it to the next level. Like unicycling, people like know you can just about balance on it, and then you go ahead and learn something extreme, like really extreme off-roading or really fast race unicycling. And it shows people you can really take these unusual things to the next level. Mm. Well, especially in today's society as well, because there's so much more opportunities for to do that sort of thing. You know, it's I love, yeah. love the fact that you're kind of shouting about the fact that look, if you've got this sort of skill, you can actually find a community for it, and you know, and and a sense of like opportunities that you you wouldn't even know existed. Yeah. You know. Which is really cool. How did you first find out about cubing competitions and stuff? Did you just go on Google? Did your parents help you with it? Like, well, what? I think very, very boring story that probably everyone has that's the same with cubing. Like, I got a cube and I wanted to know how to solve it. I think and just I knew it was possible. I knew there's a way to do it. Um, so I learnt it and once I did it, I got given like a much better cube and then it kind of got me wanting to get better at it because I was I liked how this new cube that I got was so much faster than like the old Rubik's ones that are stiff and then I kind of realised there were multiple ways of solving it and really advanced speed methods and stuff which I learned and got and there started the addiction comes when you try to beat your personal best and a lot of these unusual skills because there's not much competition for it gives more addiction because you're kind of competing against your former self you're getting better so you like with cubing specifically when i go to a competition it's the same with everyone that's not in the top three uh they go to a competition because they want to beat their record they want to get their times official and judged in a competition because that may that means it's really official as if um you've done it as a world like when you get a normal world record for something you go you call up Guinness World Records and you go, I need an official adjudicator, come judge me and all that. But in a competition, the, if you've 
if you get a world record, it's official straight away because you wouldn't go, oh, could I have someone come over and time me for solving a cube? I think I'm ready for a world record. Uh, because hundreds of people are doing hundreds of solves all the time, yeah. that it has to be done in a competition. Mm. So you go there uh, thinking, oh, I want to get my best time, I want to beat my personal record. I've n- no one ever goes to competition thinking, I want to win, I want to beat this person. There's no mm. against anyone else, because everyone's a slightly different speed. It's all about improving. Mm. And it's the same with a lot of things. That's where the addiction comes in. With unicycling, it's like, I want to... I want to go further. I want to add more miles. I've got an app called Strava. When so, but you basically click record, you put it in your bag, you turn your phone off, and then you go on a ride. And uh, when you get back, you finish it, and it tells you how many miles you've done, how mm. steep the incline is of the overall like hills and stuff, and all these stats. And I always go out and try to do more miles, but uh, and things like that, and just about basically improving on yourself and that's where the addiction comes in same with juggling when you've realized... well i was, I was going to reference it because you yeah. saw it with me like i was getting obsessed i mean we were meant to start yeah. recording this about two o'clock when and we didn't start till three <laughs> I, I, I couldn't stop because you use that yeah. feeling of very slight success it yeah. doesn't need to Every be massive it it's a bit better i think hooked. if it was really easy it'd be boring but it's like it's like playing a game like i like playing very difficult games because i like that feeling of challenge and because i can see that i'm capable and I love that push as you push yourself towards yeah. trying to achieve that. It's very um, when, addictive. When you see yourself like getting slowly better, like when you were doing it and your pattern was becoming more solid and mm. solid, and then you added an extra throw and then you caught it and you get this Euphoria, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause, it's like... Cause it's hard, you know. Yeah, and you, you, you don't get that from anything else, that feeling of accomplishment. And I know you can get it with things like passing exams in school mm. or all these normal things, but it's... It's different when you've got when you do it with your own hobby, and even it's more yours. so when it's a unique yeah. hobby, because not many people have that. And you can really like, I'm learning, progressing on something that's really not not very wide as a skill. Yeah, definitely. I think there's definitely a sense of ownership and and pride there. Now that's really cool, man. Um, in now one of the reasons why I want, we wanted to talk about today, one of the things we wanted to talk about is the fact that this morning you were teaching the language that you invented to to Jack and Ollie, who we also have at the collective. Now, this is something where I've worked with numerous people, you know, with or without autism. I have never met someone that has invented not just one, but multiple different languages. So when when did this entire sort of journey start? Um, There was someone at Aldersley who was into kind of map drawing okay do you want to just explain what older was this older was was my school growing up it's an autistic school that i was for about 10 years and i've kind of just left so at the end of me my time at older was there was someone in my class that drew really nice maps like really like old looking like map maps like treasure map looking things and mm, sounds and cool they started making languages and uh, cultures and things for those countries and like islands and things like they went oh this has got this language and they made it's not really a language it's more of a code it's like each letter has a new look so it's like a different symbol for each letter so it's not really a language as such it's more like a, a look that you have to kind of like if anyone's played Minecraft and there's that language on the enchantment table where those weird letters, that's just English, but with a different symbol for each letter. Mm. So it's kind of like that. And uh, so I, I made all these, I started making them myself uh, and uh, I started getting better at it. Like I discovered to make good language, there were these things that you need to do, like 
each letter has to really like look like it's part of the same language and like follow a style and all that and then I, like the last one I made it was like I'm, I completely threw everything out the window and came up with this different concept and it wasn't a different looking language it was a different way of pronouncing the language so instead of coming up with a new like symbol or letter for each letter of the English alphabet I, came, I swapped them so for example A becomes I and uh, etc mm. so so it was I this way you could type this language with a keyboard or you could it was you know that what the letters are but when you translate it it's a different word pronounced so so my name is Vafain so W-I-L-L-I-A-M is V-A-F-F-A-I-N mm. so, so those are the new letters that I've assigned so um, Vafain and all the all the words that you translate I've rearranged the alphabet in such a way that you can still pronounce each letter mm. it's like a, a, I've spent a while really like choosing the way I've changed the alphabet so vowels need to stay vowels certain letters have to say, stay the same like H or um, X or Y because like Y is a half vowel H is used with like, yeah, I was very impressed this morning with how well thought out it was and, um, and also like it was it was quite easy to get your head around you know yeah. you, you, you basically will wrote out the english like the english alphabet and then under each letter wrote um how it works in terms of his language yeah and so the new letter that i've assigned to those letters so yes it's like a so if you imagine board. listening imagine a whiteboard of abcd and then underneath another the new letter that's yeah. been assigned to that so it was quite easy for like myself so my name is um in the language is I'm gonna to have to rip it off my shirt. I get a good sound effect here. It's got a, oh. a badge with a with it written on. It's Izim Bai. Izim Bai. Bai is my uh, surname, which is Day. So B I Y. So you'd write your name out, and then you'd look at the border of the alphabet on, and then just change each letter. So it's like the new in the new language, and then it should theoretically always be pronounceable. Some words don't work. But you've made well. you've made a backup for this, yes. though, haven't you? So like for example. Cool. A word ending in G-H-T, so like the word night, fight, light, uh, all those words that end in I, G-H-T, wouldn't, it translate to like K-H-S, and, and it, it's just like a jumble of consonants mm. at the end of the word, and it doesn't work. So I've added a, the letter O with two dots above it. You see it in other languages, and you, you can get it on your phone keyboard and things. Um, and that O is still pronounced O, but you kind of add it in towards the end of the word and it makes it pronounceable. So G-H-T mm. has this weird like jumble of letters, but I, it ends up kosh, like uh, K-O with the dots above it, um, S-H, or mm. words ending in C-K, like book or duck or things like that, ending with C-K, that would have a funny ending. So you'd have to add the, um, the O, so it'd be tog mm. instead of tugger like tg it's hard to pronounce so you but you know to when you're translating back to take away the o oh yeah that's dots. a good point that's yeah yeah, yeah, take it back, yeah yeah because you, you don't you don't because that's an added letter to make it pronounceable in the language you don't it's not part of the word when you translate it back cool now it's very cool and what is your long-term like what how would you do you want to use this language do you want to try and teach it to as many people as possible do you want to write stories with it like what's the goal uh i'm not really sure i kind of just made it um to kill time just for uh, just, <laughs> just, a, laugh, just you know? a bit just, bored you know i just, I just invent a language you yeah. know it is 
Uh, it also has a, a like, like the other languages I made, it also has like a written version. So it's as well as this new pronunciation, it, it also has like this uh, weird way of being written uh, where each one has a new symbol and it, get, it gets quite complicated to explain without mm. drawing it on a podcast you, like this. Yeah, it's basically William um, drew, drew his own name this morning and it was like a mixture of circles and, and everything lines interconnected. Just, yeah, yeah and lines. It, it Almost had an Egyptian sort of, you know, inspiration kind of, yeah. from it, which is very cool. I mean, for me, I think it's, there's definite potential there for, for use within stories and worlds. You know, the idea of, it's the next stepping stone potentially is that you've created this language and then it's about then creating the culture and who speaks yeah. this language. I mean, have you thought about that? Do you imagine people, certain types yes. of people? Like when I when I said before about this person that made this map who inspired me from Alderosley, um, it I um, I made my own book. I've got this book at home. It's like a leather, old looking book. Oh, very nice. And inside that, I um, I had like the. A, flag for all this country i drew a massive map i had the name of this world and then i put like different um civilized species on all these like countries it wasn't like earth where there's one main species that like rule the world which is humans and this it has like two or three it has its own animals its own vegetation its own culture and history and how the countries came to be between like war and peace and things in the past and like its own like creepy secrets like mysterious islands and stuff and oh, and, ever, and each one had its own completely unique language and things and um the um, one of the countries that like was called Fimcoico which is the name of the That is a good name for a country. Yeah. Fimcoico. Yeah that and uh, they speak Fimcoican on this uh country. I didn't make this language for this. I had all these languages and then decided to do it because that's so language is yeah. called Fimquican. Yeah. Just for those, yeah, cool. Which means language in the language. The language oh, is cool. just called like language because uh, this this culture didn't know that there were other languages. So basically the word language was just their language. So it was called language in the language. So they just Very spoke nice. language, basically. <laughs> no, that's um, cool. I like the way it leads that, together. That's how they would have thought it in that culture. That's That was my thought process of it. Cool. No, it's fantastic. It's very interesting, man. So what advice would you give to people that were, you know, a bit bored, wanted to kill some time, so we'll just invent an entirely new language? Like, yes. What is the best way to, to form the basis of your new language? Because for me, that seems very terrifying, where you've ran um, with it quite comfortably. Well, it depends, really. Do you want it, like I've done it in, in the sense that it's pronounceable? Because I've picked what I thought, well, I might have done it slightly differently now, I'm not really sure. It works really well, but if you wanted to make a language how I've done it, it's going to be hard because I've already picked what I thought was the optimal way to rearrange the letters. So I'm thinking if anyone else came up with it, I'm wondering <laughs> if it, how s similar it'll be. And maybe if someone did come up with their own language and did rearrange the alphabet in a similar way to I did, because I've done it in a way that it's still pronounceable. So if someone also figures that out, or at least similar, it could we could be like language conflict a, diff a different tongue of language it could be like i could be like ancient fimkawik and i speak an ancient <laughs> tongue and well that's how a lot of like if you look over the years i mean english was completely we discussing it the other day with vikings wasn't we the yeah. fact that the old english is completely different to the english we speak now because obviously it's got different um in influences from people that have mm. invaded the country so you'd naturally maybe have that over time and you know 
you hear all the time of people speaking different types of French and Italian depending where you go in Greek yeah. or whatever. So I quite like that. I think that's quite interesting, you know. And the thing is, your writing will always be individual to you. And I yeah. think that's what ties the, the language all together. A quick question to kind of end on. If you had to choose, so you've got your language, you've got a bit of civilization there, an idea, excuse me, an idea of what you want to do. If someone said, right, I'm going to offer you a deal, we can make a video game, a film, or a book. Which one would you pick? Based on this film. language. Film? Yeah. Why film? Uh, because I'm a filmmaker. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and I think I'm... My... I love creating things. So I've always loved things like Minecraft, where it's my own world, or I loved making that book that I just explained about where it's my own world mm. in there. And, um, and what I've always loved about filmmaking is I feel it's the best way to show the story you've got in your head because it's got it's both visual you, um, you can use like the sounds the background music you can really choose how the viewer is going to feel with how you make it and with the effects and everything and the whole like attitude of like how it's made and filmed and everything so like for me both the best way to make it to show the viewer uh, the people seeing this world or story is through film and um because yeah, it's the best for me to make out of all the options. Like it's, I'd rather do that than make a uh, write a story, which I have done. I've wrote those evil turnip. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, we'll stuff, speak about that. And then. Maybe do turnips. some readings on that in a future episode. Uh, and uh, what was the other option? Gaming. Yeah, uh, I love gaming, but I wouldn't make it a game to show a story. Um, I think you lose a little bit of the yeah. of the original story when you're doing that because the core of gaming is to. It's yourself. stimulant, and it, well, yeah, it's, it's the trouble. It, I find with stories in games, they get a bit lost. You know, we, yeah. we're, we're both big fans of The Last of Us, which tells the story, a story wonderfully, but there'll be an out, a part of that audience base that aren't really that bothered in the story. Yeah, you know, I know it's hard. You've, got, you've not, yeah, like you, you might want to enjoy The Last of Us story, but if single player story game isn't your style of gaming, if you're more of an open world fan or a PvP fan, then maybe the last was won't be for you although the story's great but they're making a tv series aren't they yes the so that we should be a, that's that's when the story is the, mm. the whole sole purpose although you know, they're really. what from experience in everything that's ever been both a game and a tv show or a movie they're always completely different mm. it's like how books are always so different than films yeah and there's naturally then people that are disappointed or question why didn't you include this why yeah. didn't you include that it's very hard i mean i wouldn't like to have the job of you know adapting lord of the rings or the hobbit yeah. for example or you know i don't know warhammer it's people have these attachments Charted's to certain a things good example because the biggest thing i love the uncharted games I've always played uncharted games now they've released the film uncharted mm. based on those games and uh the game, because in a game you can be playing for like, a story game can last up to like 20 yeah. hours. I say up to, like it can be anything from like 15 hours to like 40 hours, I don't know. And um, a film's like two hours, isn't it? Mm. So it's like a treasure hunter game. And when you're spending like 20 to 30 hours at like really finding this treasure and doing puzzles and fighting... And then the film, it all happens in like two hours. It yeah. feels so fast. <laughs> yeah, I but I know that they can't do anything about that because the film is two hours long. Um, so unless they do like uh, Uncharted 1, Uncharted 2, and then make it one long one, which I think could be a bit rubbish, 
there's nothing really you can do. It just felt so fast. Yeah, it's difficult. I was just when you're talking, then I was thinking about games that I love and whether they transpose to film. And I don't think they would, because like you say, you just feel like they were so quick. And you, you. But are, making a series that can take the time, like the Last of Us, are making a series yeah. so they can really take the time with this long, in depth, in depth, um, like story. What do you reckon the Last of Us? Just quickly, because we've uh, dived into a lot. What do you think the Last of Us will show? Because there's still. The story's not really finished yet, is it? I mean, will there be a Last of Us three, or is that is it I'm finished? I'm not actually sure about the last. I'm hoping so. Because it's because um, kind of not to. We don't want to drop any spoilers for people who haven't played it. But the, kind of the start of the second game is kind of the end of a certain part of the story, and then that final bit is obviously you know one of the characters trying to take revenge. Um, I've not given too many spoilers there. But, but it still felt like there was more to come from the game, you know, and yeah. so to make a TV series, it's difficult. I mean, a lot of, it felt like The Last of Us did end in a way they could just stop forever. They could have, the yeah, the they could have finished it, yeah. But the thing is with, like, any story, it doesn't have to continue from afterwards. They can do like a Star Wars and then start telling It'll the start, next part yeah. of the story, but put it before like this is. Before it's very this. good. Yeah, they, they might so, we might get a bit of backstory on both the characters example, and stuff. This is yeah. not going to spoil it because it happens at the very first few seconds of the first game, or first few minutes even of the first game. So I'm not really spoiling anything by saying it starts off the first, like uh, where it, the the fungus starts, and then within a few minutes into the game, you get this. 20 years later and then that's the story for the last of us mm. so i'm thinking if the, there was the last of us three maybe they, it's they, to be the early it in that yeah. 20 years from um from that first event that we all know about that happens in the last of us that shakes everyone up and um the bit that then uh, shows our protagonist joel it, it, 20 years later how did he get there he's obviously had very 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 changed person in those 20 years because obviously the world's gone from a civilized mm -hmm. world to a post-apocalyptic world so they could really really do something with those 20 years i think mm -hmm. no i agree i think it'd be very interesting to see how they handle that responsibility because mm -hmm. i wouldn't like it well thank you so much for joining us thanks for your thank insights you and it's been a pleasure as always brother thank you have a bit of danheim now to play us out yes